Hello and welcome to another episode of the Visible Miles podcast. I'm your host, Simon, and to the left of me is uh, Eric. Uh, I'm Eric, and a special guest this episode, this is our friend uh, Hugo. Hugo is the principal UX designer over at uh, Unity, the makers of, uh, I think, approximately, the engine behind approximately half of your favorite video games. At least on mobile, for sure. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I was reading a, uh, actually a retrospective of the uh, Wii U, um, why it was such a bomb. Uh, I think Simone de Rochefort did that. And uh, as one of like seven reasons that she said that uh, the Wii U bombed was that it didn't uh, support Unity. You couldn't make mm. a Unity game with it. And that just like uh, left a huge uh, population of the uh, you know, game industry out. Um, and one of the, I think everybody agrees, one of the strengths of the Switch is that it's a terrific, maybe the best platform for indie games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the Switch, huge success, Unity, indie games, um, and all that speaks a lot to you. Um, but the uh, last episode, uh, we started out talking a bit about, like, who the hell is Simon Corey and his gaming background, mm-hmm. Robbie, myself. Mm-hmm. Um, could you tell us a bit about, like, uh, what is your history of gaming? How did it start out? What did it evolve into? Yeah, it's uh, it actually it goes uh, way back. Um, thanks for the intro, by the way. Um, I started out in, I think, somewhere in the '80s. Um, Dad bought a Hercules computer. He actually brought it back from work, and it was like old. It was black and white, and um, it uh, it had I think three megabytes of hard disk, and it was like the newest around. I've never even heard of that uh, company. Uh, it's mm. it's uh, it was. Um, the funny thing, the first ever game I played was like all MS-DOS. The first ever game I played was Pac-Man. Coming from the Netherlands, though, I did not speak English at all. So whenever we played Pac-Man, we would go game over, and the screen would say, you're game over, do you want to play again, yes or no? Neither my brother and I knew what that meant, so we didn't know how to restart <laughs> the game. So we would turn the computer off and on again. The thing was, though, is that back in the day, these computers, they worked on their startup was battery powered i don't know why but it was like it didn't take that much to start up the computer so they had a battery and you had like basically for a lifetime enough but because we turned on and off off and on the computer every time we went game over that battery drained so fast that within a couple weeks the computer wouldn't start anymore you had to send it back wow and it was thousands of uh money dutch money gilders (laughs) to, to get he was so mad and that's when I got my first English lesson, when my, da- my dad taught me what Game Over meant. Yeah, he's yeah. can't afford for you to keep doing this. So. Wow. <laughs> he was mad, man. He was mad. So. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Um, that, though, like, so uh, Pac-Man was the first, but then we had, like, games like Snipes, um, Battle of Britain, which was, like, a fly simulator. Yeah. Uh, Prince of Persia was mm. my first side-scroller. Um, and I've always been on, on PC, so... Friends of mine would have like Nintendo and stuff like that, and I would play Super Mario over at their place. But uh, in our house, it was always PC-based games. Uh, same, absolutely the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my all-time favorite though, that really kind of got me hooked on the whole gaming thing was uh, Quake World. Mm. So yeah, playing Quake first, and then the multiplayer experience of Quake was like really bad because they, ha- they hadn't figured out how to do it well. And then uh, they released Quake World, which I don't actually know how it works, but the the asynchronousness of of playing together uh, and then streaming it back to to the users, um, it made the whole experience so much better. And like no more lag and no more uh, huge pings. And uh, yeah, I played like Quake World for like five years. And someone like did the land parties and stuff like that. So yeah, 
I was okay at it though. I never really. <laughs> that's, uh, you didn't. You didn't make it to the professional leagues. Well, I guess there were no professional leagues back then. You'd yeah. be surprised, you know, like Cloud Nine and stuff like that. That's where they got their start, man. With Quake. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I didn't I know that. they're from Scandinavia somewhere. Huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might be saying something completely ridiculous. Maybe mm. it's like a different clan that was also called Cloud Nine. But yeah, they're like they were famed for uh, playing out of a, a coffee shop, and they'd be like on on weed all the time. They'd always be high. I think that's always the story. I always wanted to believe it was StarCraft. I don't know why. That's like my default. If any uh, if any league starts off, it always started off with uh, StarCraft. You know, maybe. I, like, again, I, I don't hold me responsible for any crap that I say today, but uh, this is just how it stuck in my mind. <laughs> we'll do some fact-checking later on. Now, I, I wanted to... So that, that was your genesis and uh, development as a gamer. I think we're about like roughly through high school now. Um, then you started off a career as a, a designer. You had a design firm that was mm-hmm. pretty successful. Cashed out on that. A little bit of time at Facebook. Now you're at Unity, mm-hmm. um, which is yeah, that's pretty amazing. Well, the story behind that was actually um, <clears throat> I wanted to start uh, I wanted to start my own game, but I knew from experiencing the people around me how impossible it is to make an actual game work. So my thought was, you know, I'm a UX designer. I'm pretty good at what I do. Um, Maybe I can wiggle my way into the gaming industry, get to know a bunch of people that I then can maybe start a game with. And uh, so I got um, I got involved with Unity, and um, I liked it so much that I kind of forgot about my making a game plan and just tried to focus on making the tools that make games plan. So that's how that worked out. We're, we're going to come full circle at the mm-hmm. very end of the uh, podcast. I'll be talking a little bit about uh, game making tools and how that turns into a making game. But I mean, do you truly think that that's uh, like the way your life's gonna go do you think that game you know that's in your imagination might uh, see the light of day someday i might muster up the courage at some point to start making my own game but you know i just know that the, the problem with the gaming industry is how saturated the market is right now and especially when um when you're like uh small uh you're gonna have a lot of problems like kind of cutting cutting through the noise um so your game has to be amazing it has to be special in the way of art. It has to be special in the way of telling the story. It has to be special. I don't know. The gameplay needs to be amazing and preferably all of it uh, at yeah. the same time, which you really can only do, um, you know, if you have a team of good people behind you. Um, although, there, you know, there is examples like um, I think Ori in the Blind Forest was a one-man operation. You guys know Ori in the Blind Forest? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I believe that, you know, the guy made everything from scratch uh for the first version and uh and then you know it got popular and i think it got bought by microsoft um but yeah it's it it can be done like damn you know flappy bird was done and Mm. that was you know the guy made so much money that he didn't want to make more money and he quit um but you know those are like it's winning the lottery you know there is no yeah Yeah. and it's a shame for ori actually because um you know there are a few exclusives on the uh, xbox and i believe I could be corrected uh, for being wrong here, but I believe Ori is actually an exclusive on the Xbox. And uh, Ori sequels and and, works, right? Yeah, yeah and it looks fantastic. It's such a beautiful game. Oh, it's amazing. Mm. It's amazing. I did play it, though. Uh, I downloaded it, and I played it for a while on... Uh, where did I play it? I went through this time where like, I was looking for a new game, and I just downloaded it because it got so much good rep. And mm. I played it, and I just... I, I'm not the one of like the wisp and the, 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 all the, the, the magical stuff. So it was beautiful. It was just kind of boring. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not for not for everybody yeah, but yeah. um i really know what you mean about uh i mean we're talking about kind of two things one is the uh, solo developer which mm-hmm. is already an enormous uh you know barrier to cross 
but the other is uh, saturation. Um, back when uh, we first met, um, Simon and I were kind of like toying around some uh, game uh, ideas. I got fairly fluent in Unity. I made a couple of uh, demos mm-hmm. of some games I might possibly want to make. Um, real life and some other opportunities took over. They're consigned to the dustbin. But uh, since then, just in the past uh, two or three years, um, a couple of uh games that are exactly what I was working on all the way down to like this isometric perspective have uh, seen the light of day. Um, and I just like I can't escape this feeling that I could possibly make something incredible again, a very high barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still might get lost in the noise. There is so much stuff out there. Yeah. I remember we, we all talked about creating a train robber game. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think six months later, there was an actual train robber game out on the market. <laughs> Is that right? Like, it's <laughs> impossible, man. It's impossible to make something. So, yeah. The the reason I, I suppose Red Dead Redemption actually uh, too is. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. They beat us. If only we uh, we yeah, got in like there first. We were almost done. <laughs> <laughs> we had a big our, and open world. Our five dollar production bu- yeah. <laughs> budget. Yeah, we were doing way better than them. They just beat us through the punch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that though. I mean. If you if you want to make a game because you love it, it doesn't really matter what you make because you make what you love, and then you know you get gratification in that. Like friends of mine, you know Pascal. He, oh, yeah, they yeah. Sh- they shipped this. Actually, hoping to have Pascal on the uh, on the podcast at some point. Okay, well, you know, I don't want to talk too long about somebody who hasn't introduced yet, but they made a very silly iPhone game where a vampire kicks his skull down the road. <gasps> I forgot what it's called. And uh, the the point of the game is to kick the skull as far down the road as you can and um i think they've got like five downloads <laughs> maybe this is a good uh try to push that game but um if i only could remember the name right um but he did it because he really liked it and he loved to yeah. ship it so well we'll we'll have him on uh to plug it but he was using it as a way to learn about building games yeah because uh, he, he's an animator right yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Animated well, working on a uh, animating uh software suite right yeah that's right yeah mm-hmm. yeah so yeah he, he's um a great unique voice to have in about the state of uh, tools oh, and tooling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll speak to him a little bit about the struggles of being an indie developer <laughs> in uh, this day and age. I, I think in the app store, unless you've got the budget for marketing um, to, to, to cut through that noise to Eric's point is incredibly difficult, mm-hmm. incredibly difficult. It's not the discovery, um, the quick discovery that it used to be. Yeah. It's a blessing and a curse these days because with the options and, and the outlets that we have to at our, our disposal, you can you can get super lucky with it and an individual can actually market you know back in the day you couldn't like you you had to buy i don't even know how they did it like i know that you know they doom got big because of like a lot of the underground sales of the of the product and shareware yeah shareware of course share was a big thing they don't really do that anymore like the the demos and, and that kind of stuff actually i don't know if i ever told you but um this is going back to like five or six years um I helped to produce a child's education video game for um, for the uh, for iOS um, called Marco Polo, um, and that series back then it was just it was the perfect time. It was you know when rubber hit the road for the uh, for the iOS store and gaming, uh, and Marco Polo blew up like uh, and it's still going today as a, as a series. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> awesome. Um, I, I, I put the volume on. My bad. 
but yeah, like uh, that, that's a, that's a fantastic uh, little, like um, if you are a parent that wants to keep your child occupied for more than five minutes at a time, mm-hmm. this is a sandbox like learning game um, that you can just give to your kids. And there's a whole series in them about weather, uh, spelling, all, all kinds of stuff. That was, yeah, but, but worth a uh, note. To try and do that now is what was, well, sorry, to, to bring this whole full circle, to try and do that now and to get noticed would be incredibly difficult well yeah and uh, to your point uh the marco polo guys were extremely well connected um, true they, they had a inside track on the, yeah they knew know. how to get it in front of people's faces and uh that's in i think in a lot of ways it's uh, sort of like uh hollywood um yeah video games are turning into hollywood where like there is this abundance of goods and like forget about just stuff that makes it the theaters i'm talking like a uh, direct-to-video mm. and like uh you know tomb master and instead of tomb raider and that like yeah. a lot of movies get made and um the, the you know they've figured out the sort of like uh pathway to profitability for a lot of them that is you know frankly nonsense and like mm-hmm. just winds up in front of uh the eyes of people care i guess that's another rant um, did, did you see the latest um tomb raider movie uh i start i watched it on the plane and i fell asleep halfway through. i fell asleep as well i fell asleep yeah. about halfway through uh, mm-hmm. and i never do that for movies um but i was on the couch it was warm all right tomb raider I just, it'll put you to sleep yeah it, it was <laughs> i mean i think it's i think it's okay i i don't think it's like stand out clearly um but yeah that, if you want to fall asleep and take a nap in the afternoon it's a great one to put on you know, I'm actually going to talk you... a bit more about Tomb Raider later because that's my game uh, that I'm playing this week, but oh, we'll really? get back to that later on. That's some of what Eric that's said a... that reminds me of a, a thing that I read this week where, so you talk about Hollywood, you're talking about you know conventional media, films, and TV, and apparently what has been happening is that you know uh, Netflix and EA and uh, even, I think, Activision, they're actually now uh, competing with Fortnite. Yeah. So Netflix is actually losing viewers to people that want to play Fortnite, which is incredible. I, think. I saw that. It's a fantastic. Yeah, yeah but, but like... at the same time, uh, Netflix is insulated because they have this uh, subscription model. So, like, even if you are only, like, carving out one hour a month of uh, Netflix, you're still paying for the whole month. So, you know, it's a question of not really, like, are people spending more hours on Netflix than uh, or Fortnite than Netflix, but rather are they cutting their Netflix subscription or not? Well, and you know, as long as you're addicted to one television show, that it's a. I mean, I mean it works for them, right? But if you look at the, um, if you look at yeah, Blizzard, uh, and, and who ships Destiny again? Apparently, the um, was so, that Bethesda. Uh, no, no, um, the Activision like um, whole thing just like split. So now it's Bungie, uh, Bungie yeah, exclusively. Right. Um, shipping destiny so apparently the sales are terrible because everybody's playing Fortnite, and it's kind of like hogging all it's hogging all the yeah. the players which is it's just insane that they're they're the, getting that big you know i mean we've seen a trend of this so um i wouldn't say it started with overwatch but you can use overwatch as a as a, as a good metric here like you know overwatch blew up um people loved it uh actually hugo you played it a lot oh overwatch. i played a ton of overwatch i'll um, tell you why if you if you let me Later on, I'll tell you why I stopped playing it, but because uh, I have a good rant about it. But you know, please. That that will be a great segue in a second. Um, uh, to, <laughs> but uh, the, my point actually was that uh, we we see these trends like um, where a game is uh, very high in popularity for about six to twelve months and it uh, dips slightly, uh, and then the next big thing comes out, um, and that dip just yeah. The the, the main. Well, there is. The, you're right. 
and and we see that but you know from <clears throat> so from from unity's point of view um we obviously do you know we look at the market quite a bit and we do see like these stable um these pillars that that don't seem to go away and i'm happy for that right because the the, um, the whole market gets bigger the whole industry gets bigger um, but it is it's very noteworthy that like something like minecraft it doesn't go away um, something like Roblox mm. um, has like millions of users. They have like I think like people that actively make games with Roblox is like now in in the millions, right? And they got like fifty million players. Most of them are young. Like it's very Lego. I don't know if you ever played it, but it's like a yeah, Lego yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, which is is like it's not it doesn't go away. Like people really enjoy enjoy it. And I think what lies at the core of that is if gameplay is nice and if people really like to play the game, like the graphics and all that, it's not all that important. If you look at the AAA studios, they're really really you know trying to make it as realistic as possible, but they're they're glossing over like good gameplay and completely like irrelevant in the face of something like Minecraft. Mm-hmm. which was like I think the defining game now for a, a solid generation. Yeah. That is still going strong. And, yep. And the numbers, they're still there. I, I, it's interesting, actually, because you mentioned Lego. Uh, and they had an online um, a game going mm-hmm. on for a while, like a, I guess yeah, their own version of an MMO. Didn't stick. It didn't stick. But how did they not get the Roblox formula? Uh how do they not manage? I mean, that's it's entirely what they do as a product line. Um, it would be really interesting to bring somebody on who has some, uh, yeah, some background knowledge there about, uh, yeah, yeah, it would be. We'll find you, someone. We'll I only find someone. knew somebody in the game industry to know we'll, anything about. We'll, we'll do a separate episode <laughs> on there. Yeah, um, they do have their, their hands in other stuff, though. My uh, little cousin plays uh, Lego The Incredibles on his Switch. Mm. And uh, he he loves that game. It's just like something about you know making things Lego that kids really love. I, yeah, uh, I think the base Lego games they're always like you yeah. know, fantastic. People yeah. love them. Wow, that's interesting. Because I was about to talk about how terrible I think the base uh, Le- <laughs> Lego games are. Um, this past Christmas, I got You're my uh, well, I got my niece and nephew a, a Switch mm. because um, I mean, like they've they've got every console under the sun except for the Switch, uh, including a PS4, um, and the bulk of their game is like lego jurassic park lego star wars lego dc or marvel heroes or dc and marvel heroes i don't know where that is um but uh god god these games are so formulaic and cookie cutter and i got so sick of watching the kids uh play that and i, I just the kids like it they do but i think uh, a factor of that is their parents sorry spencer uh not putting anything better in front of them and so that's why I'm like, fine, you're getting a Switch. This holiday, the kids, their uncles, buying them a damn console. I mean, I think you also underestimate the, the power of the, the franchises that are brought in. You know, it's it's something to play like Marvel, Star Wars, like Lego games, because you yeah, I mean, it extends it's all, those stories. It's all Jurassic Park. It's all Star Wars yeah. and stuff like that. So um, the, but uh, I don't think that Lego has been really doing anything Lego-y with their uh, license. Perhaps that's why uh, the Lego Online game failed. People just aren't interested in vanilla Lego mm-hmm. uh, outside of the actual physical blocks. Yeah. Well, and also, like, Minecraft was already there. Like, they, they just... Somebody beat them to the punch. And, uh, yeah, Roblox already was Lego-y anyway. Like, I don't know what... Um... So I think that if if you wanted the Lego-Roblox combination and you want to bring over the, the IP that Lego has a license on, so they have, like, Star Wars, right? They, they do. So that could be, like, an interesting combination for them. 
but other than that, you know, like you got a good game going and mm. you already got your blocks and everybody's already into it. So I don't know how much more a Lego would, would you know, attribute to that. That said, though, if your uh, cousin is looking for something. So uh, my cousin put, uh, uh, what I say? what I say the game was? The Incredibles. He oh, put right. it to the yeah. side and he's playing this thing called Splatoon. Mm-hmm. Splatoon is awesome. Uh, yeah. Splatoon where you like the paint a town in a particular color but you can like turn into a squid and then yeah. hop yeah. into and then there's like i tried to play it for a sec and uh damn that's really you know it was my uh, space I, I, cool. I put it in the hands of my nephew who was uh, seven years old and it was his uh, first fps experience and um not a fps though. third person is a third person? Does it count? I mean, it must count as third person. Okay, well, I mean, call right. me a purist, but it's, it's first-person shooter. It's not a okay. It TPS. was it was his first like three D arena shooter, and seven years old, very young. Um, and the fact that it had motion in addition to um, your your standard like joystick controls mm-hmm. made all the difference. Oh, wait, so he used the he, motion controls. He, he well, I mean, it, it's just kind of hybrid. Um, it's mm-hmm. the same thing that uh, Breath of the Wild has where you're firing an arrow and you can you know, I, I mean, it up perfectly. I, I showed you Splatoon. It was the first game that got me addicted to, uh, oh. to the Switch. Yep. Yeah. Like, well, I put it in my nephew's hands. I mean, I, I never developed a taste for it, but it just clicked instantly with him. Um, and to see a kid that young like getting into that, I thought the controls just made all the difference. <clears throat> yeah, I might be like an old dinosaur in that regard, but the, the the fact that I never wanted to play FPS on the Xbox, I tried it with Call of Duty, um, Modern Warfare 3 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the, the aiming of it, I can't get it down. But then I played, you know, on the Switch, I played the Splatoon game for a bit. And there's something very natural about the moving. and It's kind of the best of both there. worlds, I best think, between uh, joysticks and mouse. It's still debatable whether it's better than a mouse, though. Probably but. not. Probably not. But at least obviously superior to just a couple of sticks i can already feel the comments like uh, bursting with fury <laughs> oh, i don't want to start that thread. no um that's Bring that it. though have you Bring guys it. played um you have you played uh, pavlov on on vr no sorry i don't want to throw up uh, you're you're that. the only uh, vr spokesperson uh, here i'm actually. the guy with the headset because you're the only one with the headset yeah. that's true <laughs> that's true my only vr experience has been with you you're just a htc right the vive uh yeah i got the five yeah i i want to get the five i think it's called the five two it has like higher resolution but Mm. i so there's a game which is like a true fps on uh on on vr headset called pavlov and Mm -hmm. so the problem about vr is when you run around you get nauseous yeah yeah and uh so pavlov says like you know some people don't so i'm just make a game for those people and uh so i tried it i can i can stick with it about 15 minutes and it's a lot of fun because you're actually like running around the room and shooting with your your hands up and stuff Mm -hmm. like that but dude, you get sick. I get so yeah, sick. I'm, yeah, I'm looking I at can't. right now, and everything's crooked. This guy isn't even trying to play like straight. It's amazing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up a little bit more about motion sickness later, um, with my tie-in for games that I'm playing. This okay, week. why don't we? Uh, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff we want to get yeah. to, so maybe we ought to jump into the uh, news. Yeah. news of the week. So yeah, uh, obviously every week we do, or we we're going to attempt to do uh, some latest news. We'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, but we'll yeah. see how long it lasts. Um, but try and cover some things that are really, I think, more interesting. Interesting talking points. Yeah. Um, so, actually, Eric, do you want to take it away? Because I think you have the most interesting. Um, well, it's just a follow-up to uh, what we were discussing last week and uh, something that uh, Robbie uh, went on off on one of his trademark rants on was um, that uh, virtual currency, uh, cryptocurrency, um, and games, he felt was a very natural fit. And uh, there's this uh, news about uh, organized crime 
um, as in like actual real world mafioso, um, laundering money through a virtual currency in a fortnight. Mm. Um, and like a, wow, that's hilarious. Uh, you know, hats off to the, uh, in the, uh, ingeniousness. Yeah, no, I think that, uh, the, the, the underworld for lack of a better term, um, you really got, they don't get enough credit for like raw ingenuity to like see some sort of like system there are, you know, there really are hackers in a sense, uh, in the, what's the term? Uh, social engineering. Mm-hmm. Like, I, th- I think that, like, mafia are intrinsically uh, social engineers. Um, so they're, you know, doing a Monday laundering through a fortnight. Um, you, have you read much by uh, the novelist uh, Neil Stevenson, uh, Hugo? No. Uh, Snow Crash, anything? Okay. I've Snow introduced uh, Simon Snow Crash. Yeah. And uh, one of his one more... Of the best books yeah. of all time. Absolutely. Snow Crash <laughs> Read Snow Crash. Read everything by uh, Neil Stevenson. Um, and a very recent one of his is uh, called Reamdy. It's a read me with like a little so bit. So good. So long, but so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a lot of that, you know, like we've all heard about like gold farming in uh, World of Warcraft. And this is the uh, next uh, evolution of that. Mm. Um, it's funny. I have this picture in my mind with the, the mafiosi in the full suit with the hat, the pinstripe, <laughs> playing Fortnite, making bucks. I like, like all fees bucks or whatever they're called. Yeah, it's it's V bucks, right? That's the currency. But no, you know, like just... reading the article though, we're we're talking about like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. They say to the extent of two hundred fifty thousand mm. dollars. That doesn't sound like a huge amount. It sounds more that somebody saw an article and said like, "Oh, that's you know, a uh, nice tidbit to cash in on." But they're probably just dipping their toes in the water right mm. now. Yeah, I think it's a very clear sign of uh, where this stuff is going. Yeah, um, we we saw this with uh, gold mining for for years. Like a lot of the MMOs get uh, money funneled through them. Um, to the point where eventually it, it either like tanks the economy, like in-game economy, um, or the developers just did, have to crack down on them. Did Eve Online have the same issue? Didn't you have they a have, large Eve Online? A uh, little, little bit of uh, background. Simon is one of the longest living players of Eve Online. He was there in the very first uh, first release. He is uh, still there. He's one of the wealthiest players in the game. Also. That's not true. That's not even close to true. <laughs> well, he, he's... Uh, all I'm saying is... I'm, 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 not, I'm not saying that, like, there should be, like, a bounty on his head, but maybe there should be a bounty on his head. <laughs> so what's your handle? Oh, I'm not telling you. Definitely, <laughs> definitely not telling you. I just sank his Eve career. <laughs> it's like, what, eight years now? Twelve years? No, not, it's... Yeah, something like that. Guys, I gotta look that up. Um, you, you gotta I'll look that up for next time. You gotta bring an end to this. He's been playing it long enough. You gotta. I haven't uh, been playing it from uh, from quite the. So I've um, the first account that I had. Um, I lost uh, the login details for because I went through basically a, a phase of playing it nonstop, then dropped off for like a year. There's so much and then money came into back his to account. It. It's like <laughs> the, the the Bitcoin creator. Like that's the amount of money still in your account left there. There's um yeah I got some money uh, I got some money I, I specialize as a um, as a miner of all the the most boring thing that you can do in Eve Online, but it's also incredibly lucrative. So I ran for years. I ran like um, uh, basically just mining uh, sessions where people would just come in, uh, join our fleet, and we would just go off and mine. Um, something and really interesting about that when you go to like low sec uh, sectors in like Eve. And you have a bunch of like, so if you're not technically part of like what most people will understand as a, a quote unquote guild, and you have no real interest in um, being part of all the politics in Eve, then that kind of opens you up to just doing a lot of freelance stuff. 
And if you can have enough friends on the Eve where you can just like randomly come in, log on and do a bunch of freelance, you can just bring a bunch of like-minded people in and they'll just go off on a massive like mining mission with you. And you will make a ton of like ISK, which is like the main currency. Okay, so Why what do you, you what do you, what do you think is are like the uh, opportunities in um, Eve Online to like make a living as a actual uh, mafioso, a thug, and uh, blackmail, extortion, money laundering? So last time I checked, they have. I think it's like two or three full time economists on staff. I was not actually expecting him to give me a serious answer. No, I, I think people have looked into this, but the, the, they are so careful about the economy in Eve because once the economy goes, that's the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Like the game itself, and people are going to hate me for saying this, but remember, I'm a long fan, long time fan of Eve. The game itself is fucking boring. <laughs> like, there's really like the it's it was dated. 10 years ago um as a game and today it it just it it doesn't have the appeal of a a traditional video game um but what it does have in space is just this diverse like intricate economy uh which can be made and broken um by land grabs uh, or somebody doing malicious trading on the platform so let me get it straight so the reason you play it is for the entries of land grabs and that kind of stuff or is it the reason that you play is that you like the feeling of having a lot of in-game currency or like it, it, it scratches the mining itch. and doing like trade like you told me about that you'd like to have like a big yeah. ship and you fly ore from one place to another and sell it i'm like wow right so it, it kind of like if i if i want to approach this from a skeptic's point of view i'm like you're crazy but if I compare it to things that I like to do in, in video games, I'm like, I kind of get it. You know, like yeah. there is something that we would like to do in video games that's really menial. I think so. Had I had more time uh, in later years, I probably would have taken up like um, there's a whole like uh, outer planetary stuff that you can do with like, you know, mining planets and all this kind of building space stations and creating blueprints and all this stuff. I probably would have got more into that and that might have given a new lease of life for me personally with the game. I have dropped off significantly um, in the last 12 mm. to 18 months to the point where I, I, for the first time, I think in 10 years, I haven't renewed my subscription mm. and it actually ended a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I don't intend to go back to the game. EVE Online, boring and uh, not worth coming back to. No, I think don't the, say that, there are because it, there is just so much more to do now. Like it scratched the itch for me for a long time of like, um, you know, interactive spreadsheets. Cause that's kind of what Eve is. <laughs> They're interactive spreadsheets. And I, I think because I do a lot of visual like um, design from day to day, it was nice to go and do something really like truly yeah. nerdy. Eve mm-hmm. online addictive for 12 years. Yeah. That's actually pretty good, you know. It's yeah. a good run. If you can hook your customers for 12 years as a game company, you're doing it right, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. funny because so um before we kind of started the episode, we we kind of looked into the games that we've played last year and um I've been playing um City Skylines, which mm. literally is um Sim City. Sim City. Yeah. Um but yeah, you described it, it as uh, meditative. It's meditative. The first thing I want to say about it is that uh, City Skylines came out just about I think when Sim City I don't know, four? I don't know, one of the later ones. I don't really remember, but it was like the last one. Yeah. And, and should have been the last one, should have been put to bed because they just they made it awful. Everything was a, like a paying game and, and that kind of stuff. It was like a big company taking the, taking the piss out of a good game and they messed yeah. it up. 
here comes an indie developer who does a much better job. And and it, by all means, like the base game, I've played the base game for like a couple of months before I got a little tired of it. And then there was just like a never ending stream of DLC and add-ons and mods. And it's amazing. But the thing about that game is like you're building a city and you're just kind of growing and growing, but it's kind of like this menial task. But it brings you out of like the stress of everyday life and you kind of like get to control something that you can't control and you're like, oh, that's that's really chill. Yeah. I think it's a lot like people who have like a, some kind of hobby of like being a gardener or something like that. Yeah, or like the people that want to like build giant, you know, marble tracks or something like that. Someone crazy. Yeah, sure. Like, for sure. Model railroad builders, yeah. Oh, I, that's I, a good well, one, yeah. I, Bought the uh, the latest main game Sim SimCity when it came out, whenever it was like five six years ago, um, and I was one of those players who couldn't actually play the game because the uh, server was broken, and it mm. was one of those back then when they're keeping to try and do the always on connection. Mm -hmm. um, it was EA, right? Um, yeah, it was EA. EA, and Dumb. this was the beginning of the fucking like end for EA as a god awful publisher. Um, so it was, yeah, like that series just died for me that uh, from then. And then I think they released a mobile uh, app game a couple of years later, really? which was all one of those like farming ones where you right. you have to wait a certain amount of time before you can start building. How something. those were around for so long, I, oh, I, can't, I just understand. It's still there. Still it's still there. Still there. Yeah. As an RTS person, like the, the thing I ran about, I haven't actually tried the game yet, but uh, I was a huge Command & Conquer fan. Mm, and same, then, same. you know, like they... They tried to make Kaman the Conquer, the, the last one that they tried to do, and it, it basically it got you know it went all to shit, and now they released it's uh, Tiberian Wars, wasn't yeah, it? something the, like that, and the they're trying to release game. a mobile version, yeah, which is like the super small RTS, like a, yeah. like a mobile phone is not right for RTS. Yeah, I, I haven't seen like I get, yeah, look, I think Plants vs Zombies RTS, kind of, and it works for that, but other yeah. than that, you know, no. It's just, it doesn't work at all. Like The backlash they got for that mobile um, Command & Conquer game was just, it, yeah. And I, I think that's happening across the board now because... Um, well, you look at the uh, Blizzard, Blizzard uh, the, yeah. the backlash against Diablo, it's a game that's not even out yet. And uh, it, and they're making a main entry in the series, so it's not even like, yeah. it's, a, it's not a... There, there's, the, the <laughs> mobile gaming has been so utterly botched now that you can just say like, hey, we're going to have a game on mobile. And it's like, oh, okay, you're going to do yeah. something that's going to take advantage of uh, people, um, have some sort of like, you know, dark pattern uh, philosophy behind uh, making money. And they, they've really yeah. done a good job of stigmatizing the entire platform. So uh, I, I think the, the reason is that most people are smart enough to know that the publishers have put the pressure on the developers to produce something that can be sold in China. Uh, and that's what the majority of these mobile games are, and I don't oh, fault that because you know Not that's racist. the consumption. Not that's, the cons <laughs> that's the consumption that, that uh, you know that, that China has. Like that, they they lap this like these mobile games up, and that's what they want yeah. to play. So it might change, though. You know, they, uh, the the yeah. Chinese government is cracking down on game shipping in China. They released their first console, right? The, it's the like Chinese they're going console. to basically there's I, this is what I've heard. There is like um super high scrutiny on any game released in China. So the government looks at every game, but it, the game has to be played in full mm -hmm. by a team of, you know, uh, uh governmental people and they will decide whether the game gets shipped or not. So time that it takes to, to kind of like review a game and yeah. to actually like get a green lit to publish the game is going to be insane they rejected um fortnite right 
Did they? Mm. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I think the know. Fortnite and PUBG. Wow. Too social. Yeah. So people get the chance to talk to each other. I mean, <sighs> read between the lines. They're probably trying to create their own um, national game because Fortnite is so successful. It's uh, mm. They want a piece of the pie, as do so many of the other publishers now. But, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. So the next few years, you're just going to be Fortnite knockoffs, which mm. helps PUBG knockoff, which just means, yeah, great. Okay, next news item. Uh, I'll give it to our special guest. Next, Nick, what would you know? Uh, which which uh, item would you like to talk about? And, anything oh, on here? With I actually, I, want, I wanted to ask you a straight-up question. Okay. Do you play any mobile games at the moment? No. Not at all? You, nope. Eric? Um, I'm usually playing something or other. I'd have to uh, think about it, but... Uh... Generally, I'm playing something. Yeah, think about it for a second. All right, so I'm gonna go and uh, I wanted to touch on the um, uh, which was the I think it was Anthem. No, 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 it wasn't Anthem. The 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 Metro Exodus I wanted mm. to talk about, which is like a semi open world game that is um, we saw the trailer for it, uh, a couple of days ago, and um, there's something interesting in that where just harping back to the menial thing. So it's kind of like Fallout, zombie shooter. Mm-hmm. A lot of foraging, a lot of walking around, a lot of like, they were like touting that they have vehicles now, so it doesn't take that long to get from point A to B. Um, how do you guys, so how do you, how do you feel about that? Like the, um... yeah, so for, for me, um, the one thing that I'm a little bit nervous about um, from the gameplay that I've seen so far is that the Metro series has always thrived uh, from that feeling of uh, being claustrophobic. Uh, it's almost like an alien, traditional alien game in that way, where you're like you're traversing corridors in like in the Russian underground like uh, metro system. Um, so it, it's kind of a huge gamble to take that series in a more Fallout direction, where it's like above ground. So I think for me, I'm going to have to be convinced a little bit more that they're going to be able to take that uh, intensity and, and put it above ground. We sort of saw some of that with the sandstorm mechanics. Um, so a big part of the original games is that you're always like, you know, you've got to put your like your gas mask on uh, to protect you against like the harsh conditions. And the first thing I saw, it was a shot of the open world without the gas mask. And I was like, oh, that's the most iconic part of the series. But then they cut to the sandstorm rolling in where you have to put the gas mask on mm-hmm. and everything suddenly goes dark around you. And the, the actual like lighting effects were amazing. And so that could be where they bring that intensity in. The, but yeah, yeah I, I need to see more the, the one thing I'll say is that the the the, the publisher would only allow um, reviewers to show pre-canned footage that they'd already cut, mm-hmm. so they wouldn't allow the um, most of the outlets to to show their own footage. So, a little bit nervous about that, but I'll I'll give them a, I'll, I'll put it this way I'll give them a free pass for now. Yeah. All right. Well, when I looked at it, I was um, there's this mechanic in a lot of games, and it's I call it like the the the, the flashlight mechanic. It's the is you, you put the player in in like a dark place and then you give him a flashlight and mm-hmm. you can't see anything of, except for where you shine the flashlight or where there happens to be a little bit of light, and on paper I understand the appeal of the mechanic but as a player I've always found it to be extremely annoying, like you want like especially in a game like that it, it's incredibly satisfying to shoot your way through and to have this kind of like false. I compare it to like the, the thriller movie where there is like the, the jump scare. It's yeah, like, a, it's like yeah. a cheap thrill. And the flashlight mechanic is like a cheap thrill. And it's like whenever I see that, I kind of get turned off by a game. Mm. And like, oh, 
why you know it's like that stuff again is like is the underworld or the underwater level you know yeah, like every yeah, game is sure. underwater and it's just annoying to do <laughs> and it's just like it's almost like mandatory to put like a level or some sort in in your game to to kind of like change it up from the real thing and Maybe they do it to otherwise the game will get stale or whatever. But I never really. Whenever I see that, I gotta get turned off on a game like that. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. I'm uh, extremely uh, interested and optimistic about this uh, notion of a semi-open world. I hope this is a thing that really gets uh, explored by a lot of uh, game developers and uh, publishers in the future. Um, so the God of War analogy, and I think the latest Dark Siders as well sort of follow that trend a bit right. um, where I think that's what made um, almost platformers to a certain degree like so interesting compelling back in the day the idea of levels yeah we haven't had that for such a long time mm-hmm. well and, and but but there's like a there's a book of I, I swear to god this is gonna sound weird there's a book of philosophy that I would uh, like you to read sometime um, it's called uh, Finite and Infinite Games. Um, mm-hmm. This was uh, suggested to me by uh, our friend uh, Tom Henderson, Math Punk. Shout out. Um, did, I, did I introduce you to Tom? Have you? Hey, he's a game theory guy. He's uh, staying with me for a little while. I know. I would have remembered that. Okay. I, I could have sworn he hung out at a he, freehold with you. Um, well, don't say he did now. No, I say I would have remembered <laughs> that. That would be terrible. Well, we were Sorry. probably uh, pretty inebriated at the time. Oh, okay. But anyway, Finite and Infinite Games. Um, this person has like basically constructed a... It was published around 1982, I think. And this uh, fellow has built an entire worldview around the idea that like all human interaction and activity is uh, in one form or another of playing games. Mm. And those games fit very neatly into one of two silos finite games and infinite games um a finite game uh just like one example is chess there are rules you play it like this um he outlines all these sort of like criteria of what makes a finite or infinite game and like uh, one of the criteria is that it ends when the players like mutually agree that the game is over mm-hmm. there's not like a lot of argument on whether um you know you're in a checkmate or not mm-hmm. that's a very binary uh decision you're in checkmate or you're not in checkmate the game's over or it's not um, an infinite game is like, you know, when you and your friends are out in a playground and you just start making things up and, uh, just mm-hmm. going, um, Minecraft, um, in the video game world is like, you know, the most infinite game that's ever been made. Um, but I would also argue that games like, uh, Grand Theft Auto are, uh, you know, any open world game is, uh, infinite. Especially Grand Theft Auto because of Grand Theft Auto Online, which, um, Sure. I, and I think you're, you're has no end. Yeah, you're beginning to push into the um, the very current debate, which is publishers moving all of their original IPs to games as a service model, sure. which is games that never end. Right. Um, which is carry on. Sorry, but yeah, that's, it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge uh, shift. Um, and there are some bad things about these, like you know, you just said yourself that you're playing a game for 12 years now that has become effectively boring um but it's, to be fair i think it started off boring for for, for most normal players sure. <laughs> but we also enjoy them because they are inventive yeah. um now contrast that to a, a level-based game um like i say you know half-life or whatever where uh, or even like even better still like the original uh, infocom text adventure games mm-hmm. In those games, you were... Did you ever play any Infocom games or Hitchhiker's Guides to the Galaxy, anything like that? Or was it like a Quest or something? Uh, sure. Le- LucasArts games, uh, Day of the Tentacle. 
I did the Tentacles, you know, Secret of Monkey Islands. Exactly, exactly. So in uh, Day of the Tentacle, or uh, okay, uh, better yet, uh, Secret of Monkey Island, there is this like a rubber chicken with a pulley in the middle, and you're walking around for you know days, weeks, however fast you are playing these games. Like, what's the rubber chicken with a pulley in the middle? And eventually, like you see this like line, it's a zip line. It's like, okay, that's what this thing was for. Um, what you're literally doing is reading the mind of the game designers. Mm-hmm. You're not inventing a solution to this. You're figuring out the same solution that they came to. Mm-hmm. And all you know, games that are level-based are like that in one way or another. Um, in Halo, it's just something as simple as like shoot your way from here to there. Um, in Half-Life, that game is like renowned because they actually put some puzzles in place where you would have to use your head. But at the same time, you're effectively um, reading the minds of the game developers. Mm-hmm. Half-Life 2 broke out of that by introducing a physics system where all of a sudden you have invention. You're actually creating solutions. And that's uh, the genius of uh, mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild as well, where you do have to like get there eventually, but you can really invent your own way around it. I, I'd say that a half a lot, or a, I'm sorry, Breath of the Wild is also kind of semi-open world because you have these uh, levels like the uh, the the desert, um, you know, with the, uh, the the sand of what's it's in the uh, mm. ocean area where you're swimming along with all these bastards. I can't remember the names of these people. Sorry about that. Yeah, you only, um, you only played it for like a hundred hours. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, yeah, semi-open world because the 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 advantage of a level-based game is like curation. You can make a really interesting plot-driven experience, and then you have games like uh, Fallout seventy-six that have none whatsoever, and they're extremely frustrating. Um, and I think the semi-open yeah. world stuff is like that's where like really auteur-driven uh, gaming is going to be going for the next uh, ten yeah, years. There's a lot. Of, uh, yeah. There's some criticism. Oh God, which game was it? I think it was like the latest Far Cry. Maybe it was like an open world game. I can't remember the name of it. But basically they built this giant open world. And while you're not on a mission, you can do whatever the crap you want. Yeah. Right? You can you can do whatever you want. And then the moment you get on the mission, it was actually a criticism on Red Dead 2. So it was like the moment that you enter a, uh, a mission in Red Dead 2, like you do this and, you know, you go game over, mission failed or whatever. Like, yeah. It's the old GTA thing, like where... You have to tail a car, but you can't go too close. You can't yeah. go too far. And you're like, oh, you know, like you're losing around the corner and you have to start all over again. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, so the guy that was, he was doing like a little YouTube movie where what he do, it was like a GTA level. And before the game would start, before the, the, the mission would start, he would plant a bomb under the car that he knew oh, I saw this. the guy yeah. was going to yeah. go yeah. in. Yeah. And yeah. the moment that he got in the car, he just blew up the car. Yeah. And the mission was somehow failed. Why right? He actually succeeded the mission by killing the guy or whatever. And he's just like, oh, like this linearness <laughs> in an open world is kind of like really weird. But you, you do need it to progress the story somewhat. There was, um, I forget the name of the YouTuber, uh, the guy who sits on the bouncy ball um, and does his uh, yeah, YouTube yeah, videos. Guy. He he did a fantastic like um, like forty five minute take I think on uh, all of this mm-hmm. about uh, why Red Dead Redemption Two is amazing, but at the same time how they've not changed any of the mechanics. Right. Uh, and when you start to analyze that, the cracks begin to appear, and w- which is really why it didn't deserve to be Game of the Year, mm-hmm. and why God of War rightly deserved to be Game of the Year right. because God of War pushed the series in a completely new and uncharted direction, whereas 
Red Dead Redemption 2 was an amazing story, like fantastic. I won't take that away from it. Um, visually, it was stunning um, across all the platforms. But yeah, once you start prodding, peeling away from the, the aesthetic skin, you start to see, yeah, the nothing gameplay-wise has really mm-hmm. changed all that much. Uh, and it's a formula that works for them, by the way. Right. Um, you know, both GTA and Red Dead are... are I, I can't fault them. Like All the games have uh, in the series have in one way or another, being compelling. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a bit about this one? Because this one's your baby. Well, I mean, it's just a uh, game announcement, um, but it's it's kind of personally interesting to me. Um, it's a new uh, game that's been announced. It uh, looks like an indie game. I don't think it has a uh, proper publisher behind it, but it's called uh, Texorcist. Mm. This is a fun one to say. Textorcist. Um It is a uh, typing tutor. Um, where you're, you've basically are kind of a uh, top-down Zelda-style RPG. Um, your progress in the game is uh, by like typing in spells and incantations in uh, real time. Um, last week I mentioned that uh, when I was about seven years old, I had like a typing class with actual typewriters, not mm-hmm. even computers, and I thought it was the biggest waste of time ever. My parents put me on a pre-graphics video game called Zork, um, where it's like pick up axe, walk north, uh, swing axe at troll. Oh, damn. You, did you ever play those? No, I did play King's Quest, though. Okay. Yeah, well, same, same thing. I mentioned that in the game, yeah. yeah. Um, so, the, yeah, they were very uh, you know story-driven games, extremely finite games. Um, but just after like a few months of playing these games, I just like noticed once I was typing, typing like a real person. Now, fast forward, you know, literally 30 years later, um, and I still like am amazed when I see full grown adults doing touch typing, or rather the opposite of touch typing. Um, what do you call that when you can't touch type? Uh, point adventures. When oh, what, you can't oh. type and you're like just using your index fingers. Anyway, yeah. oh. not typing. And I kind of feel like that people who can't type uh, maybe deserve like handicap parking access. Like, this is actually, like, kind of a modern-age disability. Yeah. Um, I, I'm... Do you remember the people that were not trying to offend this episode? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Who, oh, like, I'm offending non-typers. Out. Okay, non-typers, pull your pants up, all right? Non-typers, like, you know, put on put on your big boy clothes. Um, learn how to type. And this is... Uh, so, so many offensive terms in, uh, in one sentence. Cool. Yeah, also, like, I don't want <laughs> to go bing. on record by saying that because I'm, I'm a, a particularly nightmarish typer on the phone. So I, I cannot do it. Well, funter. I've done it for so I cannot do it. And funter I'm sure that there's a new generation that just laughs at me. So like I swear like in the... Old guy, whatever. You get a job somewhere. In the, in the comments for this, the first thing um, I saw that made me laugh was uh, someone said, oh, when's it going to come for... Uh, I come to the switch mm. and I was like, <laughs> yeah, immediately I'm laughing. Cause you know, doesn't that defy the whole goddamn point? Well, but then to, to, um, to Hugo's point. Yeah. Why not? Why not have a keyboard overlay in the game? Sure. I mean, why not do something fun? Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I'd like to be a better mobile typer who wouldn't. Cause um, keyboards, you know, how long are we going to have keyboards for? When, when is that going to go the way of the Dodo? If, if the touch screens. Oh no, they're making a revival. Like, look at this thing. They just shipped this. After years of doing the new, touch uh, stuff and, and 2018 touch, iPad Pro, it's all this now. And you know they're no, they're gonna get rid of the, they're gonna, they're gonna fuse these together. You know, yeah, that, right? yeah. It's I, going I to be. Uh, and and now a word from screens. our sponsor. Hmm? <laughs> I said now a word from our sponsor. Apple. Apple's <laughs> our sponsor. 
Our, oh. our overlord. Mm. Um, but uh, this is uh, the latest in actually a fairly long line of uh, typing games. And uh, the earliest, most famous was uh, Mavis Beacon teaches typing, you know. Mm. Um, then there was like a Mario teaches typing, again, kind of blah. The first one that like really made me um, pay attention, like, oh my God, they're doing something interesting, is uh, Typing of the Dead. They oh, took yeah, the game yeah. House of the Dead, yep. they put it on rails, and basically, as you typed, the guns would work and shoot the zombies, and if you became a truly proficient typist, you would get really deep in the game. And what I loved about this is that they didn't even bother to make a new game. They just took House of the Dead, put it on rails, the exact same game, and put a different uh, UI on it. Uh, so a few years ago, I was telling Boz about uh, House of the Dead, and uh, we were both really into the game uh, Left 4 Dead. And he's like, wait a minute, make a mod for Left 4 Dead that is a typing tutor. Yeah. And I spent about half a day like looking into the mod scene for um, you know Valve games. It's like, oh, not actually easy and straightforward, but I still think mm-hmm. it's a brilliant idea. And then to uh, see something like this uh, come along, oh, my God, it's so charming. Um, there's also, what is that, a beat-driven game? The the Crypt of the Necrodancer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you play that? I didn't play it, but yeah. Mm, no. We were going to talk a little bit about uh, mobile games, but that's one I played on mobile. And, um, oh, God, goodness, it's fun. A beat-driven um, game? Yeah, uh, it's like, uh, so Crypt like pop, of the Necrodancer. Like the Rapa, but... mm. <laughs> uh, Sure. I, I was thinking it's a little more like Dance Dance Revolution meets oh, uh, Zelda. Um, you so, like that stuff? You should play um, Beat Saber. You heard of that? No. Oh yeah, yeah, the uh, the VR one. Yeah, yeah, the, the Star um, Wars uh, Zappy. What do you call those? The, the lightsabers. Wow, I didn't never know that game. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it just got announced like literally yesterday, maybe two days ago. I don't know. News. Don't learn to type on uh, these MacBooks because their keyboard is terrible. The that is ones? fantastic. The new. Um, uh, the new iPad Pro keyboard. I love it. Uh, I like the Mac keyboard. I think it's great. The issue I have with this thing is that whenever there's a, like a speck of dirt that comes under the key, the it's, key stucks, yep. and it's yep. like you can't do anything about it. Hope yeah. I, I, I did pay $700 to get one of those replaced. Apple. Wow. Works. So we're definitely not being sponsored by Apple on this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Not yet. Actually, I was plugging Razer all last week on the because I I absolutely love my Razer blade. Um, what is it, it with gamers the, and, the, and just just you know the keyboard is the like keyboard. what is it with all the the LED lights, man? Like uh, why do you, why what is that the like, LED lights? Yeah, what why? I don't really know because I was never kids in, have no taste. I was never into it, but for some reason now I like it. Yeah, uh, I don't know why. I'll tell you a story. <laughs> I'll tell you a story of my Alienware laptop. So I'll I'll be honest. And you can hate me all you want. It's a good I'm, story. This I'm, is a story. I'm, I'm, I'm a Mac guy. Um, but I've always been, uh, you know, games on PC. So when I got some money, finally, I went to the, to the store and I was like, I want to have a great small PC that I can play games on. And it doesn't exist. Like, it's all like these giant towers. Now, when was this? Uh, some time? Four or five years or so. Okay. And um, so finally, I settled on like an Alienware laptop that had like a pretty good video card in it and whatnot. And um, it was like heavy, like it was actually too heavy to be a laptop, but it was a pretty small PC and it worked. So I would put it on my desk and hook it up to my uh, to my screen. Um, but uh, it, it had like LED lights, LED lights everywhere. And I always like, you know, you get that, you buy, you get it with it. But I was like, who, who cares? Right. So I was playing one of my favorite games, XCOM. 
um, Enemy Unknown, like the new version. Yeah. And um, the first time I played it, I was in the level and we were doing like the um, the turn based uh, the turn based strategy thing. And then you know it's it's alien time, and the whole thing turns red. And I wasn't expecting it at all. Yeah. I didn't know that was going to happen. And my whole computer turned red. And I'm like, yo, what the? And I was like, that was the only time I ever was like, I kind of get it now. Yeah. Um, but it was pure coincidence. I was actually playing with the lid up and, uh, and I was playing that game. But other than that, I've always found it completely stupid and a waste of resources. When you get games like that, they have the custom lighting built in. Uh, it's great. Like uh, Diablo is like one of those as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's cute. But uh, when I saw your razor and every time you touch, there's this ripple effect of colors. I'm like, well, you on. can change all that. It's just like. This gimmicky. Well, um, even uh, even when I get a uh, MacBook, the first thing I do is uh, turn the uh, backlighting off. Like yeah, I see you have your backlighting on right now, and uh, I don't know why you want those on because I can type. I know where the Q is. I know where the eight is. Like turn off these lights are very distracting. Yeah, well, mine, mine, I, I don't want to stray too far, but I'll give you my main. So uh, my boss at Unity is actually the guy the who worked on the Touch Bar on Mac, and I give him shit every day. <laughs> For inventing that thing, yeah, the Touch Bar on Mac is the world's worst invention since last. Agreed, bread. agreed. I I love it. it. I love the Touch Bar. Um, I'll put up a YouTube video showing how to use the Touch Bar and love it. But uh, I think it's terrific. Um, I I do wish they had kept the F keys and maybe put the Touch Bar above it. Um, but. I use it every day, and when I have to use a Mac that doesn't have it, I get it actually really frustrated. I would be I would be less annoyed by it if I wasn't always hitting it by accident. That's my problem with that. it too. iTunes just launching oh, all freaking time because I've hit something by accident. I, I yeah, never you listen to that good song, and then you're like, "Oh, I like this song." Oh shit, I skipped it on purpose, or just you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, it's what are you doing with me? your hands? Where it's all maybe it's because you guys because I'm using I don't design, know what to do I'm with using my hands. Design tools all week, like. Yeah, we actually so, use the thing, dude. Yeah, you're That's, you're there doing the boring thing like typing. Like who, uh-huh. who, who the hell types these days? All right, texturists. <laughs> people uh, that play texturists. Texturists. That's who. I want to move on now to um, games that we've played uh, this week or in the last couple of weeks. Um, sure. So I'm actually going to start off this this week because um, we've been alluded. I've been going around it in circles, but um, this week I actually picked up uh, Tomb Raider. Um, the reboot from 2013 uh, and it is the first time I've ever played it uh, for some reason I don't know what it was but I missed it uh, when it came around um, I just just never bothered to pick it up now Tomb Raider was a great game um, one of the first games I remember playing on the original PlayStation uh, I enjoyed the series um, Tomb Raider Tomb Raider 2 I would have said we're two of the standout games um, for, for the platform. Yeah, I love the original because uh, to me it was the first uh, 3D creation of uh, the game that you mentioned earlier, uh, Prince of Persia. Mm-hmm. It was Prince of Persia in 3D. Uh, the original Tomb Raider does not get enough credit. Everybody like talks about the boobs and the butt, but it was a terrific game. Yeah. Groundbreaking. And, you know, puzzles for days. Yep. Um, but the, the latest Tomb Raider... Um, now this is unique to the to the console version, but there is no way of turning off the shaky camera effect. Mm. And um, I tried my hardest to play this game, and I got about four hours in, and I was physically like feeling sick mm-hmm. um, because the motion like in the in the camera is just so extreme, mm-hmm. uh, and it's ev- it's on all of it. Um, it's on the cutscenes. It's on the um, when you're actually just walking through the game. It's everywhere. So 
I think the the story of of the reboot two made there is fairly good, or it seems to be fairly good from from where I'm starting. Has the potential to be, you know, as good um, as you know some of the other games in the in the genre, um, like the Nathan Drake style like uh, games, but. I can't move on. I can't get past this like four hour block now because every time I pick it up, I feel sick. How, um, how, uh, how was the frame rate for the, for the game? Like when you play, is it, how's the frame rate? Fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm playing it on a PS4 pro. I don't notice any drop in frame rate. The video mm-hmm. is steady. Um, but you know, even the pre-rendered cutscenes, it's like, now I have heard it's uh, shaky. The camera is just shaky. They do it on purpose. It's yeah. part of the whole effect. I don't know if these games pre-render cutscenes these days. To be honest, well, this is like 2013. A, oh, this was the 20, the yeah. 2014 made you nauseous. This is a 2013 game that was re-released um, for the PS4. Oh, okay. There is uh, now I suffer from very extreme uh, motion sickness in uh, automobiles, and I just spent uh, probably the most time in a car last weekend that I have in maybe God ten years. Um, it was not fun, um, and I I know all the tricks for uh, beating nausea. One is uh, like putting kind of a oh, bead yeah, right. on yeah, your yeah, yeah. wrist. Um, eating a lot of ginger works terrifically. Um, but I heard a rumor um, of a new thing that the Oculus people have stumbled upon, uh, where they have basically figured out that putting a small vibrating element right in the back of your neck um it eliminates vr nausea and probably has wider applications for like combating nausea full stop and if this thing like actually is for real it works the way advertised i think these goofballs at oculus have actually stumbled upon something that's going to change lives to a much greater extent than vr will at least for the time being um but i love this idea and i really want to keep my eye on it does the the wrist thing actually work for you Oh yeah, it works. Yeah, it works. It, it works. It's just extremely uncomfortable. Like mm-hmm. eventually, like your wrists kind of become a little bit painful. Uh, ginger works terrifically. Like just get like a bunch of uh, crystallized ginger from uh, Trader Joe's, sit around munching that for hours. Uh, that will absolutely combat nausea. In fact, I invite you to try that the next time you uh, play Tomb Raider. It's kind of inconvenient. I, 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 I have so many other games to pick up that uh, I think I'm. I'll be like, hey, guy, you want to play some uh, VR? Yeah, let me just, you know, go and eat some ginger for two hours. Yeah, yeah. I can start. It's kind of annoying. I just got to run out to the nearest Trader Joe's and grab some ginger. Or strap a vibrator on the back of your neck, which, like, everything about that sounds like something that might actually work. Well, if you've got a partner that has a vibrator handy, uh, yeah, just grab an elastic band. Who doesn't? uh, Yeah. So I do. Uh, so um, while you were talking about Tomb Raider, uh, watching, I'm watching the, the gameplay footage here for a quick second, if that's okay. Yeah. And I noticed this one thing that I really have a pet peeve about is um, I just skipped ahead in the in the gameplay, and there is this moment where she's kind of like stuck between like walls that are crouching or something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. and then it's it's the moment that a lot of like Xbox games have like actually any type of game is like where you know you're in danger and then it'll tell you to press X. But then you have to do yep. it a lot. Quick time yeah, events. they call those quick time events. Yeah, yeah. and it's just like, ugh. and and then I'm, really I'm watching stupid. it further. And Nobody like, likes a lot them. of the puzzles is like push the car through the wall. Do this, yep. do that. I'm like, and this is what I kind of like when, when we're talking about Secret of Monkey Islands. The Secret of Monkey Islands is literally as linear as that. Maybe this is even a little less linear, yeah. but they didn't tell you what to do. But imagine playing Secret of Monkey Islands and it was said like, pick up the sword there, then move over there. And if you don't do it, like, it's just like, I don't know why people... Well, games have become so much easier to play. Uh, they... Yeah 
hold your hand through most of the experience nowadays. And that that's what I think makes playing the reboot of Tomb Raider almost that much more painful mm-hmm. uh, is that everything is choreographed. Like, um, so they have, I'm going to say, quote-unquote tombs because they don't feel like tombs at all. Um, they're like little shrines or whatever that you can walk into. They're not little. They're not little. They're, they're, they're gigantic. I, I'm watching this gameplay footage right here, and I'm thinking, like, okay, idea for a game is to bring this, like, SimCity-style, like, building stuff that you're very fond of, mm-hmm. um, but it's, like, Tomb Builder, where mm. you, like, basically carve into a mountainside. Right, shut up, shut up. Yeah, Don't well, tell anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Before I know, six I, months later, somebody made it. There, there was a game, uh, I think, published by Bullfrog EA called uh, Dungeon Keeper. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Which was, like, kind of fun. It's like a grid. It was yeah. a good game. Uh, they, they made the, one of the worst uh, mobile knockoffs ever. Um, but, like, honest to God, Indiana Jones, Tomb Raider, Tomb Builder. This has to happen. Yeah, it has to happen. The Done. big rolling boulder, and then it's like like it goes into a tower defense mode where you like turn the tomb on, and then some idiot walks in, and mm-hmm. then like trap, trap, crash, crash. Only it's Indiana Jones, where maybe he's smarter than you, or maybe he's not. Who knows? So I bought the Tomb Raider um, game as a package with the latest three. Um, so I read in the comments that the other two are nowhere near as uh, egregious in terms of like shaky camera. I so see. maybe I'll try the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one and uh, and see how I feel and then just catch up on the story. Yeah, maybe strap a vibrator maybe. to your head for a good measure. There you go. Um, but I I don't see myself continuing the game. Hmm. And that's... Sucks. It's been a long time since I... You know I put Doom, the new Doom away for that? Oh, I really? couldn't do it, man. It's hmm. just like... God, we're like old. All the, um... We're so old. But that's the other thing. I hear it gets worse as you get older, which is terrible. Yeah, maybe we're just... Um, older, right? We but, can't but deal with the Simon, Simon if, you, if you don't raid the tomb, who's going to do it? I guess Tomb Raider is going to have to do it by herself, Lara. Come on, Lara. Come on, Lara. You can do it. Well, Don't need our help. Because the audience has fallen asleep watching her movies, so it's going to be up to her. <laughs> She's just not going to have an audience. Thank you, sir, on that one. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I think... Um, so I've heard also really bad reviews about the latest uh, Tomb Raider game as well. Yeah. So it's just being like really like boring. Well, uh, I guess this is that moment where you're like, let us know in the comments. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah tell us tell us what you really think in the comments and uh yeah well maybe i'll maybe i'll pick it up looking at actually should i yeah let me ask like audience should should i is it worth me playing the next uh tomb ready game in in the series or should i just put the whole thing down and move on to something else um because god knows there are enough games in my back catalog that i need to finish i haven't even picked up prey yet i have oh. prey that's been sitting there uh, in my downloads folder for for months, and I really need to pick that up and give it a, give it a blast because that's more my kind of game. Um, anyway, let's move on. So, uh, Eric, you, what are what are you playing? Well, I picked up uh, Return of the Oberdin. Finally, um, this was a game that's by a guy named uh, Lucas Pope. Um, have you played uh, Papers Place? No, Papers Place, such a good game, such a good game. Okay, and actually, yeah, now we're coming uh, back full circle. Um, so. It helps to start out with uh, Papers, Please. It's a uh, very deliberately retro, actually 8-bit game um, that is about uh, border security. You play a uh, a border agent. People walk through with their passports, and you analyze their passports. You say, okay, this is good, this is not good, and let them through the gate. Um, There is a sort of revolution going on. The... uh, the requirements for passing through the border become more and more stringent. So you got like cross check with an ID. Maybe it's a forged ID, a stolen ID. Look at, uh, you know, the, these body scans, x-rays, are they transporting weapons across the border? All this stuff. In addition, there's like a kind of sub story going on 
where like, oh, these are revolutionaries. Maybe you sympathize with them. Maybe you don't. Maybe there's this uh, person who has a starving child and like, you you know, really want to help out this family or uh, maybe you're, uh, you know, really behind the government and are clamping down on these people. And you've got your own family to take care of. If you let some people through the border, that's going to ding you and your income and like your daughter's going to starve to death. Um, Papers, Please is an absolutely like, top-notch capital a piece of art um papers please is wonderful i recommend it to anybody um it's especially good i know you don't, you're not into the mobile game you're not into the ipad gaming ios is perfect i have it on the, pc when it first came out and that's how i played it good enough but uh i i do think that ios ipad is a really great way to yeah. make this game now to go back to what you were talking about um lucas pope is a uh his previous career was as a, a tool developer he was making uh games for i believe naughty dog um i want to say yes yeah i i think that he was uh doing uh for the drake games yeah. he went in he was a programmer but he found the um creation of uh tools that you need in making a video game like you do mm-hmm. uh, especially interesting and he brought that uh knack for uh you know making things that are very usable into uh, his approach to creating video games. Mm. And that's what led to uh, Papers, Please. It's very obvious in Papers, Please. Now, his new game, Return of the Oberdin, um, the graphics in this game are so special. We talk about, like, retro gaming as, like, this, like, 8-bit, you know, when you talk about retro gaming, it always comes back to uh, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, 8-bit, 16-bit graphics. Um that is not all that uh, retro means. Um, one of the uh, really serious retro aesthetics is uh, the Macintosh, mm-hmm. the, the original black and white, but extremely high resolution Macintosh. And uh, I think that uh, black and white dithered art is absolutely a, a, a beautiful visual aesthetic. It's one that's been, in a lot of ways, largely forgotten. Um, by the way, a terrific uh, game from this period is uh, The Fool's Errand. Um, the developer's name escapes me, but uh, he is actually still working on games. And mm-hmm. he worked on a uh, sequel to The Fool's Errand. Uh, it's called uh, Fool and His Money. Um, and uh, he made the unfortunate decision to base it on a Flash. Um, so I think he literally spent about eight or 10 years making this, getting this game made. Yeah. And while he did it, Flash became, it wasn't going to be a browser game, but Flash got deprecated. It made the game extremely uh, difficult to publish. Um, I have five games that are lost now to the sounds of time that wow. I've got on Flash. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, somebody uh, remake Prince Birch of Sands of Time. Um, but anyway, so this uh, Macintosh aesthetic, another thing I'd love to do, by the way, is uh, create like some sort of Tumblr that is just all black and white Mac art. Mm-hmm. Like you used to like not be able to throw a, you know, a stone without hitting like a Patrick Nagel painting on somebody's Macintosh. It was just all black and white and dithered. Um, Should you be plugging your own image service? Yeah. <laughs> oh, look work. Yeah. Use look work. Nobody does. Um but uh, so Oberdin um, is like it's it's a modern game. It uses 3D graphics, which were absolutely not possible in the uh, era of the Macintosh. Um, but is 100% black and white. Uh, it does this fascinating uh, image dithering. Uh, don't quote me. I think it's is made in Unity. Not positive. Um, uh, it is a hard game. It is an 
interesting game. Um, Do you want to give it a little bit? Because I know that it popped up on a bunch of Game of the Year. Game of the Year, yeah, uh, absolutely. Lists, but do you want to give like a, just a quick like rundown of what the game is? Sure, about? absolutely. So in uh, Papers, Please, you play a uh, border agent. You're looking at people's uh, you know passports as they cross your border. In uh, Return of the Oberdin, you are an insurance agent. Um, this is the uh, 19th century. A uh, boat, um, you know, one of those like really large boats has uh, come into dock. Everybody on the uh, boat is dead. You play an insurance agent. Your uh, job is to go aboard and uh, inspect the bodies and figure out who each uh, corpse was and how they died. Mm. You have a uh, stopwatch, this uh, kind of magic stopwatch, where you step near them and then you are transported to the uh, moment of death. And uh, you hear like a few seconds of audio leading up to the death and then pop. You're in a kind of bullet time screen of uh, when the person is uh, dying. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, this one is uh, Joe Handyman and he there's a hatchet in his back. So you kind of, well, first of all, you don't know his name. It's Joe Handyman. You see a guy with an axe in his back. You have to figure out his identity. You have to record his, uh, you know, name and uh, way of death, and that's part of like the the insurance aspect. Wow. Um, in addition, like if there are other bodies, like you're basically there's like a lot of uh, time travel. Mm-hmm involved in this game um and a lot of uh, deductive reasoning when you were it's essentially like a point and click right well no no i mean it's full 3d um i mean i don't it, there there is no pick up um object you know pick up hair pick up chewing gum use hair with chewing gum make a mustache there's nothing like that your okay. tool is the stopwatch full stop um so it's more of the walking simulator style game. It, it kind of it kind of sounds like Clue in effect, like a trying to figure out who done it. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, uh, Six Wakes, uh, science fiction, two thousand eighteen, one of my books of the year, which is Clue in Outer Space. It's really fun. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting though because um, so you got the art style that is definitely different, which is usually very refreshing. Um, but mm-hmm. in a lot of games, especially indie games, it is about the art style, and then the gameplay kind of suffers. Yeah. So I felt that with, uh, like I said, I felt that with um, uh, or, or in the Blind Forest. Um, but sometimes it, it really does help, like um, the, the jail simulator. Uh, it really helps to kind of give it personality, but the game itself is still a lot of fun. And in this particular case, does it, you know, like, does it add, does, it, does the, the style add to the gameplay itself? Or could it have been any styles? Like, how does that, com- the combination work? Uh, I think I'm a little bit uh, too early into the game to really say, to really answer that. How long would you say you've played it for? Uh, I don't know, a few nights. Maybe somewhere like six, six hours. hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I can just tell you that I think it's, like, extraordinarily beautiful and extraordinarily uh, difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not an easy game. I believe um, it made, uh, and I'll give a lot of credence to this, I believe it made um, Zero Punctuation's Game of the Year. Yep. Yeah, it did. Um, um, I'm pretty sure you possibly and... Polygon, or at least like number two, it was like in their yeah. top five. Yeah. But you and the Zero Punctuation guy, I forget his name, but you two uh, are probably... Yahtzee. Yeah, you two are probably like cut from the same cloth. <laughs> well, it could be. I mean, he has more patience for uh, mainstream than I do. Ah, God knows he, he hates AAA, right? He's always <laughs> yeah. going on about how bad all that is. He plays him. He, he plays him, and I don't. Yeah. 
Well, he has um, to play them because that's what his audience watches, of course. Yeah. Like, everybody wants to, him to take a piss out of, like, the next EA title, which isn't hard to do at all. Um, True. But the, the, the interesting thing here is, like, when, when we talk about video games and we talk about, you know, how stale the AAA environment has become, um, how interesting it is to see these little indie titles pop up and um, to offer, like, these very, very strange, um, you know, ideas that we haven't seen before. And some of them are, like, completely dumb. Some of them really work. Uh, I don't know this game in particular, but I know last week you guys played or talked about Overcooked, yeah. which is one of those games where it's like, that isn't necessarily a game I had seen before yet, and it, it really works for multiplayer, and it's kind of like this entirely different paradigm that, uh, that, that really works. And when we talk about the oversaturating of the game market, it's, there is still so much space for these niches to, to come out and do something like this. It's really cool. Yeah, um, for sure. And I think Overcooked is a great example of that. It's um, nobody asked for it. Nobody was expecting it. It came out of nowhere. And yeah. It just it brings so much joy <laughs> to play. It's hard as well. It's really hard. That's the other thing. Like it does not. You get a basic tutorial, but that game does not hold your hand at all. Right. Well, and in this particular case, I'd like to see if this feels fresh after like, so does the, the, the progression of the game, is it like you solve a murder and you go one or you have to solve them all and then the game starts? You're not solving all of them. You're solving about uh, 60 murders. Wow. Okay. Well, not necessarily murders. <laughs> I mean, like one of them, I one of the last ones I saw was like somebody, you, you jump into the scene and this guy's head is just being crushed by a cannon because the uh, ship like rolled over at the wrong time. Hmm. Um it's a very graphic game <laughs> i'm definitely going to pick it up um I, actually not definitely i already purchased it so i'm going to play it um uh, but i got it on uh, steam yeah not an easy game this is not easy um i mean this is akin to like you know playing like war and peace you're, yeah. you're gonna get into it this is a deep dive there's no other way to play it so what, what um, are you playing it on uh macintosh okay um for a little while i wanted to hold out and kind of see if it made it to i mean these days like my preference is probably uh switch ios mac um i do think this game is going to get eventually ported to everything but uh not in the near term it is incidentally uh again to cindy said earlier this is a solo effort mm -hmm. um everything to the music um, I think he might have probably got some voice actors because there are some women and he's a dude. Um, but uh, it's basically a one-man show. And uh, yeah. Lucas Pope, like... That's impressive. Oh, my good God. He, he's got a thing for bureaucracy. <laughs> I, I think that he's going to be just, like, really one of those... Who, who was Notch the... Notch or whatever his name is. Oh. <laughs> if you want to play a difficult game, by the way that I do believe it's a one-man show as well. I had a couple months ago, I had a lot of fun, at least for a while, uh, playing Getting Over It with Benny Fodder, or Benny whatever. You guys ever heard of that game? No. Oh, it's, I think it's a remake of an old game, but the, the, the premise is you're a, a dude with a large sledgehammer, mm -hmm. and you're sitting in a cauldron, and uh, the only means of, of moving yourself about is by swinging the sledgehammer with your mouse so basically your mouse movement okay. follows this and uh, and you're basically the, the point is to get up as high as you can so you yeah. can you can hook the sledgehammer and then pull it and you'll launch yourself upwards and it is incredibly hard but the, the best part about the game is like the further up high you go if you mess up you basically it's basically one giant level and you'll fall all the way to the bottom at some point and it's great uh, mm. so basically like it's going from the starting point all the way up to the moon 
And it's just like, oh my god. This, pretty... like, this is like Sisyphus, the video game. Oh, the worst actually... part about it, so the, the, the guy who made it, um, he, uh, he narrates over the, the whole game with all these like weird smartness things, like these weird wisdoms. Yeah. And luckily you can turn it off, but it's like, it's about nothing. But he just keeps talking about all the, like, these, 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 these wisdoms about how to get over stuff. Um, yeah, so with that, I think uh, we've reached the end of uh, this week's show. Um, Hugo, will you be coming back to tell us more about your Michael? Absolutely, cool. absolutely. Yeah, yeah cool. Perfect. Right. Uh, thanks to uh, Robbie for our uh, intro-outro music, and uh, he'll be back in a future episode. He's not, he's not done our intro-outro music yet. Well, I thought he did that music. No, no, this is still our stock footage. Well, thanks for nothing, Robbie. Episode, Get on it, Robbie. Episode 0. 0.1, yeah, ladies 0. and gentlemen. Um, Robbie, yeah, get we'll your be, shit together. We'll be back next week, um, and uh, yeah, we'll, uh, special guest could be Hugo, could be Robbie, could be somebody else. We'll, we'll, throw, we'll throw something against the wall and see what sticks. Um, but yeah, thanks again a lot, guys, uh, for tuning in, uh, watching. If you're on YouTube, listening, if you're on Spotify, we should be on um, iTunes uh, podcast soon, hopefully this week. Uh, Hit the uh, subscribe button, leave comments. Yeah, no, the button's down there. Are you sure it's there? No, I got it wrong. Could be anywhere. Uh, yeah, actually, you were pointing the wrong direction. Yeah, I was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hit, Some, sub- hit subscribe. Hit subscribe. Hit like. Yeah. It's kind of down there. Again, this is a work in progress. We um, we really value your, your feedback. Uh, VisibleMiles.com, the website, again, will be launching uh, early March, hopefully March 1st. Um, and people like Hugo will be contributing uh, with writing uh, for that. So, so look forward to seeing some great industry-related articles there. Um, and with that, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Goodbye. Cheers. Cheers.